It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's that time. Time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Greetings, all. Glad to be back. If you uh, wondered if the last two days were best ofs. You were correct. Who turns the TV up in here? Well, I thought they were pretty good. I don't know. I didn't get to hear them. Hold on. Somebody left the somebody left the uh, TV on in here. What in the? See, this is why nobody's supposed to be in the studio room. Well, you see the the. You can't hear that, can you? You can hear the TV. All right. Well, I'll just turn it off. Back for two minutes and I'm already complaining. Hold on, let me let me settle back in here. I got thrown off my game because I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't know what was going on there. Man, it's good to be back. It's not good to not be on the radio. Settle back into the spot here, even knowing that somebody was in the studio. Ramon, what happened while I was out? Anything interesting happened? Um, you haven't seen me since Friday. Trump is arguing with the Gold Star family, Kizer Khan and his wife, whatever her name is. Uh, I know that that was happening over the weekend. New polls out have Hillary back on top. I don't know that it's useful to be focusing on um, on polls right now because we're going to have a lot of uh, – time and these polls are going to go up and they're going to go down and that's just going to be the nature of the beast Ramon, i'm out of sorts here hold on just a second i'm i'm wanting to pull up nobody got their uh oh yeah thank you all right here we, go. we didn't get our chicago weekend update it still carried on though oh here we are <clears throat> you ready ramon here we are just one second here. Just, just one second, Chad. I mean, what's your name? You're Ramon. Okay, hold on. Okay, all right. Here we go. You ready, Ramon? Since we weren't here Monday. And now, the Michael Berry Show presents the Chicago Weekend Crime Report. Ah, uh, yes. It was a hot, hot weekend in Chicago. 13 people hospitalized for heat-related conditions while thousands of white suburban kids flooded Grant Park for Lollapalooza. That's still a thing, Ramon. Indulging in overpriced beer and desperately seeking alcohol poisoning. On the south and west sides of town, the residents indulged in their usual lead poisoning. Weekend Butcher's Bill last year, same weekend, four dead, 36 wounded. This year, 
eight dead, 46 wounded. Total of 40 people last year hit by bullets. This year, 54. Mayor Rahm Emanuel's initiatives are clearly working. Friday, 2.45 p.m., 49-year-old man and a 21-year-old man hanging out on the sidewalk when a vehicle approached and someone inside fired shots. The younger man was shot in the ankle. The older gentleman was shot in the abdomen and shoulder. He died at hospital. Friday, 5.45 p.m., officers responding to a call of shots fired. Found 17-year-old Denier. That's D-E apostrophe N-E-A-R. Denier. Dash near. I don't know. Denier, probably. Denier Deshaun, no apostrophes, Scott. Denier Deshaun Scott lying on a sidewalk with a gunshot wound to the chest. He died at the ER. Friday, 7.15 p.m., 21-year-old Ural J. Durant. He was, he was uh, named for the mountain range, Ramon, the Ural Mountains. Standing by an SUV when three men walked out of a gangway and started shooting, striking him in the head. He died at the scene. Saturday, 3.25 a.m., a group of four women got into a fight at a house party. Oh, I bet that was, I bet there were wigs a-flying. And 27-year-old Martrice Reed found herself, oh, Martrice is a woman, shot in the head, dying at the scene. A 21-year-old woman was shot in the right ear, and the two other ladies involved in the fight suffered stab wounds in the wrist and the hands. Saturday, 7.10 p.m., a 21-year-old man sitting in a parked car, when a black SUV pulled up to him and someone inside opened fire, hitting him multiple times, the popo said. He died at the hospital. Sunday, 1 a.m., Latrell Gibson, 27, walking on the sidewalk when he heard shots and felt pain, according to the Chicago popo. Gibson was shot in the head and taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead at 1.10 a.m. Sunday, 2.05 p.m., a 36-year-old woman was shot in the head by her 39-year-old husband, who then turned the gun on himself. The man attacked his wife as services were ending at the Second Mount Olive Baptist Church. As service, you know, we had an altar call at my church. They, they just have a round of shootings. A 20-year-old man standing on the sidewalk when a red SUV pulled up and three men got out. As the three approached the victim, one of them pulled out a gun and shot him in the head. He died later at the hospital. 30-year-old man walking along the street, heard shots, felt pain, shot in the leg. 29-year-old man walking along when someone in a black pickup shot him in the right hand. 35-year-old man standing outside when he suddenly discovered he had been shot in the arm, leg, and torso. 23-year-old man showed up to the ER, gunshot wounds to his abdomen. He is not cooperating with the popo. You know, that's interesting. There are a lot of people that are not cooperating with the popo. A 23-year-old man suddenly discovered he'd been shot in both arms and the face. He is not cooperating. 19-year-old man, sidewalk shooting. Somebody hit him in the leg. 50-year-old man was delivering pizzas when shot by a young man in his 20s to make a delivery. Oh, man. 32-year-old man and 28-year-old woman were on a porch when someone in a passing gold SUV. Would you ever own a gold-colored car? I mean, I'm just not the demo, I think. The man was shot in the left leg, woman in the back. 23-year-old man walking along, heard shots, realized he was shot in the leg. 23-year-old in a car, someone pulled up behind him and shot him. 34-year-old in a car, someone pulled alongside, shot him in both legs. 33-year-old in an argument with another person when that person shot him in the right leg. The victim was in good enough shape to drive himself to the hospital. 
33-year-old got into an argument when he was shot. 20-year-old was standing in the backyard when someone walked up to him and shot him in the right arm in the buttocks. 60-year-old driving along was struck in the left leg by random gunfire. A 16-year-old was standing outside when he heard gunfire and realized he had been shot in the left calf. 16-year-old male, 22-year-old man were standing on the sidewalk when they heard fire and felt pain. They were each shot in the forearm. Somebody, old woman, was on the porch a little ways away from the two men, and she caught bullet fragments to the face. 18-year-old and 63-year-old standing outside a gas station. Four men walked up and shot him. Younger man was shot in the right foot. The older man was shot in the right forearm. The 18-year-old was a documented gang member. I have over 20 shootings that I will not be able to get to. We're not happy that people got shot. We don't find that amusing necessarily. We do find it odd, don't you, that 54 people were shot in California over the weekend, most if not all of them black, most if not all of them by black people. And there are no protests, no rallies, no news stories. Just another dead black person at the hands of a black person. Michael Berry Show. I like this story. <clears throat> Some of you uh, will remember uh, July 18th, the early morning of July 18th, Destiny Hall went into labor in Granbury. While speeding to the hospital, her husband, Caleb Hall, flagged down Deputy Constable Mark Diebold of the Tarrant County Police, who provided an escort to the hospital. However, during the drive, the baby started coming out. You know a dude wrote that because if a woman had written that, there's probably some term like crowning or the turtle, you know, got a turtle or something. The mom had a turtle on the way, on the way. <laughs> I wonder if it works the same way where when she gets to the hospital, she's holding it, she's holding it, she's holding it. And the minute they put her on the uh, gurney, boop, it comes out. Woo, I barely made it. I wonder if it comes halfway out while she's getting up on the bed. <laughs> I've been in the hospital for the last two days. There's nothing sacred at that point. <laughs> when you're in the wing that only has 80-year-olds and up, <laughs> you have no respect for anything. There's just gashed, oozing wounds out of everything. Oh, my goodness. Important things, when people get old, when they get over 80, they're laid up in there like they just finished a marathon. They don't care what they look like. This one little old lady, I'm going down the hall, this one little old lady, she's splayed out, and I'm like, ma'am, I can see the good. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> I didn't say that because she wouldn't have cared. I think she had died already anyway. The Hall family were pulled over in a gas station parking lot. The officer assisted in the delivery. He said, quote, Caleb started screaming for me, and I ran to the passenger side. 
the officer said. There were no complications. He caught the baby. I cleared the airway, and she started crying. I wrapped her in a blanket and put her and put her on her mom. It was an awesome experience. What a cool story. Oh, Ramon, you got to turn me back up. She sure doesn't look all that scary, but apparently little Evelyn here is one of the first to terrify SWAT deputy Mark Diebold. I can go into a house full of bad guys and no, no fear whatsoever. I mean, inside or out. But this literally scared, uh, scared me half to death. Monday morning, he was patrolling 377 in Benbroke when he saw a speeder. Having no idea the conversation going on in the SUV, he was about to stop. She's like, I'm having the baby. And I'm like, no, you're not. I was like, you need to get to the side of the road. I'm not making it to the hospital. The gas station surveillance video shows Caleb and Destiny Hall pull in with their black Jeep. Deputy Diebold not far behind. It's one of the moments I'll never forget. I mean, I'll, I'll remember this for the rest of my life. What happened next is off camera, but you can get an idea of what it must have looked like based on the reaction of the gas station owner. Because I don't look up and I see the gas station owner out there, and I'm seeing these construction guys right there like... So all I could do was you know, hold her hand and guide him on what to do. And Evelyn was born right then and there. Her very first little cries in this quick stop parking lot. Amazing. I can't even put it into words. It was, a, it was the most beautiful sound I think I've ever heard. Diebold said earlier that morning, recent events had him doubting his role as an officer. So he asked God for a sign and got one at six pounds, 11 ounces. Personally, I needed it. That morning, I needed it more than ever, and, and it, was, it, was an, it was an answered prayer, literally, an, an answered prayer. This can make me positive. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It really impacts somebody's life and I know it did ours and it'll be a story we will never, ever, ever forget. <laughs> well, there's a follow-up to that story. That uh, little baby had its uh, had the parents took pictures of that newborn, and they asked the officer if they could borrow his badge. So there's a little baby with the with the uh, what do you, I guess you'd just say a flower, but there's a term for that. You know, it's got the little baby's breath. What do you call that? Take yourself back to prom. What? What? Not a cowlick. <laughs> what did your uh, Ramon, did you go to homecoming? Who did you take to homecoming? Uh, well, whichever time, I'm impressed you went twice. You went four times with four different girls. Wow. <laughs> Look at you, all right? Your freshman year was the first one? Come on, who was the freshman year? You do remember. You damn well remember. You don't forget those things. Who you calling? What are you doing? 
Why are you sweating? Who did you go? You don't have to remember which year was which, but but just right. Darren. That's a girl. Darren Bryant. Okay. Was she, you sure she was a girl? Okay. You check. All right. Who else? Aubrey. Who? McNally. That sounds like a girl you'd go to high school with. Yeah, I remember Aubrey McNally back in the sophomore year. <clears throat> what else you got? Come on now. That's the only two you went? Dude, there's no shame. You were in high school. You went two years. You didn't go four. It's okay. All right. Cherie, now you're just making stuff up. Cherie what? Imagine if she's listening and she wasn't good enough for you to give her last name. What's her name? What high school was this at? Santa Fe. He says Texas City, but he's... Why are you so embarrassed of Santa Fe? I've only met nice people from Santa Fe. I don't, I don't get it. Hello? Yeah? All right. Did you go Did you go with her to buy a mom? You bought the best mom? Isn't that the stupidest thing? I mean, I can remember you'd save up because, you know, your girl couldn't have just a single mom. She, and then there was always that family in town. They're, they they owned the plumbing company or whatever, and they had to show off. They always drove a Cadillac, and their kid their kids' date had to have the best mom. It'd be a triple. It'd be all the way down to her knees. She'd be struggling to carry that thing. They had to overdo it. <laughs> in Orangeville, we didn't have a a lot of businesses were not. We didn't have like strip centers or business parks. There would just be a kind of older house, in so, and there would be an office out of it. <laughs> you know you're in a small town when, when a residential neighborhood has a sign out in front. And it's always something goofy like cutie pies, flowers, mums, and decorations for dead people. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Ramon and his mom. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what was the man's... Flower call, a no, not a corsage, boutonniere, a boutonniere. Ah, yes, the only time you will ever use that term in your life, a boutonniere. Raymond, you're on the Michael Berry Show. How you doing, Michael? I would just like to thank you, and I really love your show. And um, this weekend will be our first weekend of RCC. Oh, Friday or Saturday? Saturday. Um, I happened to spend a week out on the ranch. I, I was actually the one that dug your pond and did your uh, did the trails, and I met uh, Jerry and Renee, and they they invited me to come celebrate his birthday. So we're yes, really indeed. looking forward to that because me and my wife hardly ever get to go out for one, but uh, we couldn't think of a better place to go to. Well, on date night, I will buy you a beer. Man, that would be awesome. I'd be honored to meet you, sir. Well, you're not my doctor. I can drink a beer when I want to. <laughs> well, good. I, uh, I, I we were out there. Um, we were out there uh, recently, and I finally got to see the pond or the lake. That thing the is lake, huge. Yes, it, it turned yes, out it very is. well. Yes, it, um, all the designs and stuff on the bottom of it came straight out of my head through my hands on that excavator. I was actually trying to call you while I was digging it, but it's, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to get through to you. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, it looks fantastic. I'm ready for it to. Uh, I'm ready for it to be finished. It's going to be beautiful. Ramon, I need some advice from you on what you want uh, in the pond, what kind of fish, because we're just about to stock it. You got any preferences? Electric eels. Yeah, they'll they'll thrive. In, in the, that'll, be, <laughs> that'll be fine. I might put some gar in there for you since, since you are a lover of gar. 
<laughs> You're so stupid. And so I just put that on the Michael Berry show. <laughs> Michael Berry show. James Hetfield of Metallica turns 53 years old today. Ramon, what is your favorite Metallica song? You know the Who Wore It Better that Entertainment uh, Today or Weekly or whatever does. They'll do the little, a lot of people do Hillary Clinton in like a rug or something. Uh, who, who, who used this song? For whom is this song more appropriate? Billy Wagner coming in with two outs in the ninth, bases loaded up by two, or Charlie Palillo, your drive home? Palillo, does he not use it anymore? I don't get to hear it because he's on we're on. I'm sure he, I know, I know he used to use it. Yeah, because I thought about using it, but Palillo already did, and I'm not one of those guys that rips off people in the building. Who? Where are you going? Tony Bennett is 90 today. Martha Stewart is 75. Are you watching Orange is New Black? They heard our pleas because they have a lot more sex scenes now. There's some good sex scenes now, yeah. Jay North is 65. I confess I don't know who he is. From TV's Dennis the Menace. James Hatfield of Metallica, 53. 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue from Palos, Spain, on a voyage that took him to the present-day Americas. Do you know my wife does not respect Christopher Columbus? You know why? Because when he arrived, the people that were here, there were 100 million of them. He didn't actually arrive on the U.S. You know that, right? He got, I think, to Cuba. But he never actually set foot on, on, uh, on American soil. Because he called them Indians, because he was headed to India. And her thought is, that's outside the margin of error. You can't, you can't be idolized if, if you head off for India and arrive basically in Cuba and name those people Indians. Today in 1962, an obscure folk singer named Robert Zimmerman has his name legally changed to Woody Allen. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Bob Dylan. He had his name... Martha Stewart, would you? Yeah, I would. Well, the reason I was asking you that, did you ask that or was that Chad? Would you? Yeah. There are a lot of women, and women don't understand this. There are a lot of women that you don't say to yourself, that's the hottest woman on earth, but you would. You would. I'm, I've taken to asking people Hillary Clinton or not, and I get more yeses 
than you would than you would believe. Michelle Obama, yes. There's a lot. We're complicated creatures. We could absolutely hate those individuals, but it would still need to be done. Just just because it would need to be done, and that's. I understand that's hard for some folk to understand. I really do. 713-215-874. Story about a local firefighter coming up you're going to appreciate. Hi, Michael. It's Tom again. I love your show, and I want to be Ted Cruz when I grew up, and a vote not for Trump is exactly the same as pulling trigger for Hillary to skank Clinton. Hey, man, you know who my favorite stuntman of all time was? Dude, this one ain't even close. I love stuntmen. They are amazing and courageous and brave, um, but only one stands out above everyone else, and that, of course, is Evil Knievel. Um, I don't know why his parents named him Evil. That is a brutal name to go through high school with and middle school and elementary school. Uh, can you imagine? Imagine evil. Think if there was a boy band called like the Hounds of Hell or something with like Demon Jones and, and, and Brimstone Callahan and Satan Stanley and of course Evil Knievel on lead vocals. But but um, but not seriously, that dude was so cool. Uh, I mean, he was the episiotomy of cool. Like, like next to the word cool in the dictionary is a picture of Evil Knievel. Remember when he tried to jump over that canyon full of snakes? Everyone said, no way you're going to make it, Evil Knievel. Um, even his family was like, don't do it, Evil Knievel. You're, you're going to die and your rocket motorbike is too slow and the canyon is far too wide. But he was just like, man, I looked at him all in the eyes at the same time and i got to do it for the people. Um, he had sick confidence, man. He was full of courage and moxie and, and he backed that rocket motor back up and, and backed that thing way up and he waved at everyone and he let it rip, man. And of course they were right and he smashed into the side of the wall of that canyon. But all I know is he wasn't afraid of nothing. Um, everyone knows he broke every single bone in his body and I used to wonder um, how did he break those tiny bones like in his ear, like the hammer bone and the sickle bone, those tiny itsy bitsy ones. Uh, but he did. Um, I may not know how, but I know he did because he was a badass. Hey, um, I still remember when he died. And that was one of those moments for me, like when old people remember where they were when JFK got shot. Um, I remember where I was when Evil Knievel died. Um, it was the fall of 2007, and I was sitting on the couch going back and forth between Fox News and American Idol. I love that show. Taylor, Taylor Hicks won that year, by the way. And on the little crawl at the bottom, it said, American superstar, legend, superhero type person, Evil Knievel died. And I was so sad. I thought for sure he died like trying to jump over a canyon full of snakes again, but it turned out it was like ammonia or something. But Evil Knievel was the greatest stuntman that ever lived. Hey, Michael, how come there aren't more stuntmen? Used to be that was an honorable trade, and it was in my top ten things I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, there used to be, like, Evil Knievel and a whole bunch of other stuntmen all over the TV all the time. Now you can't find a stuntman anywhere. Um, somebody needs to bring back stuntmanning. Think about it. In this era of reality TV and people that don't really have talent become stars because all you got to do is have like equal parts brave and stupid and you can be a superstar, be stuntman. Um, we need a distraction from all the terrible television and Pokemon Go and political and, and a good stuntman is just what Dr. ordered. Um, you know what I also loved? Thrill Show and Destruction Derby. Man, that was thrilling. That was super thrilling. Most thrilling thing ever. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! I'd go on. Thrill Show Instruction Derby in a heartbeat. My favorite part was at the very end, and they would have a huge crash-up derby and just mangle all those old beaters. Dude, that was awesome. Hey, before I go, hold your tongue and say, a pirate ship. I'm not going to do it because it's a funny joke, but hold your tongue and say, a pirate ship. Okay, I'll take your thoughts off there and have a blessed day. Hello?
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Michael Berry Show. Oh, Michael Berry. Regardless what you think of the Cowboys, this is a pretty neat story. Cowboys open training camp honoring the Popo, their first step on the training field camp where arm in arm, sorry, the training camp field, where arm in arm with Dallas Police Department Chief David Brown, the families of the fallen officers in the Dallas shooting, and a number of of DPD officers. The uh, families really appreciate uh, the Jones organization inviting all the family members of the fallen officers out uh, to open training camp, uh, particularly the, the youngsters, the, the kids of our cops who were killed brutally in, in downtown Dallas, needed to get away from home and have a distraction and take their minds off their grief. And so the the Jones family, the Cowboy organization, Coach Garrett, uh, all the players are, are have really just done a phenomenal job at welcoming, welcoming us here and showing uh, the Dallas Police Department the love that uh, they have for the sacrifices that the officers have made. So thank you so much to the Cowboy organization. David Brown, I'll tell you what, I think this whole experience with the horror that occurred in Dallas. Sometimes a terrible event like that and tragedy and strife and adversity can reveal a star in your midst, can reveal someone who might not be appreciated openly because it takes a terrible situation for them to need to rise up. And he certainly has. Tight end Jason Witten wanted to honor the fallen officers, show his appreciation for those in blue. So he went to team vice president Charlotte Jones Anderson to help create a special day for four of the families representing the slain officers 
along with Mayor Mike Rawlings, Dallas Police Chief David Brown, and several others. The family of slain Officer Michael Smith graciously declined to attend the brief ceremony Saturday before the Dallas Cowboys officially opened training camp in Oxnard, California, with a practice. The players walked onto the field in four groups, with each player arm-in-arm with another player, a member of the slain officer's family, a coach, or a police officer, in a sign of unity. Once everyone was on the field, they huddled around the mayor and the police chief. Chief Brown says, quote, it's just priceless to have a sports team, a major sports team like the Cowboys, show this kind of support for law enforcement. It's showing, it's showing support for the men and women in blue who sacrifice their lives every day to protect our citizens. On the Cowboys' helmets was a decal featuring a silver star with the saying, arm in arm, to honor the fallen soldiers. The Republican Party is having quite the moment of stress. Reince Priebus is reportedly apoplectic over Trump's refusal to endorse Paul Ryan. Media outlets are reporting that Priebus is fuming over Trump's latest attack on Paul Ryan, John McCain, and Kelly Iote. NBC NBC News uh, reports Priebus called several Trump staffers, including campaign manager Paul Manafort, to express his extreme displeasure with Trump's comments. In an interview with the Washington Post yesterday, Trump said of Ryan, quote, I'm not quite there yet, echoing language used by Ryan when he was reluctant to endorse Trump in May. Ryan eventually endorsed the GOP nominee, Trump. A spokesman for Ryan said Tuesday neither Trump, ne- sorry, neither Ryan nor anyone on his team sought an endorsement from Trump. If Trump falls further in the polls, there's talk that the party could end up with a could come up with a backup plan to protect down ballot races. Um, I, I just I don't understand. This is not Trump bashing. This is commentary. And if it bothers you, I apologize. Um, no, I don't apologize. That's what you tuned in for, for me to yammer. I don't understand why Trump seems to be spending more time criticizing fellow Republicans, POWs, Gold Star families, uh, and other people who are not on the ballot against him. I just don't understand it. And I know that many of our listeners get angry that I don't just, you know, I'm not Sean Hannity. I don't just keep telling you how great he is and swoon and all that. Anybody with any experience in political campaigns knows that you do not engage in a circular firing squad. You don't attack the other members of your party going into November because you need every one of them. Further problems for the Republican Party. Kansas Republican congressman and Freedom Caucus member Tim Hulskamp becomes the fourth House incumbent to lose his primary this cycle. Hulskamp was defeated by Roger Marshall, who was backed by John Boehner, a physician running his first race. Neither candidate were particularly vocal in supporting Trump. The Kansas Farm Bureau and Ending Spending Action Fund opposed Hulskamp for his vote against the farm bill. 
He was kicked off the agriculture and budget committees in recent years for frequently bucking Boehner and establishment Republicans. Hulescamp did receive support from the Club for Growth and the Koch brothers. Hulescamp joins Congressman Chakafata, Democrat from Pennsylvania, Renee Elmers, Republican from North Carolina, and Randy Forbes, Republican from Virginia, who all lost primaries this year. New York Times Chief Washington Correspondent Carl Hulse tweeted a picture of Boehner celebrating with a glass of red wine as he watched returns. What a what a weird year this this is. The incumbent congressman, incumbent Republican congressman is defeated. And you might think to yourself, "Oh good. We got rid of one of them." But he's defeated by the guy that John Boehner supported. John Boehner is the establishment. There's no more establishment guy than Boehner. Maybe McConnell. And the guy who was defeated is a Tea Party guy. That's what the Freedom Caucus is. So we now have three major blocks comprising Republican voters. The Trump guy, many of whom are not longtime Republicans, not former Republicans. Then the second tier, or the second, uh, what's the parts of a triangle? Well, whatever that is. The establishment guys, the Boehner and McConnell. And then the third, the uh, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, just or, or, uh, Ted Cruz guy. You got three different, what's the term? Sides of the triangle. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Under not very pleasant circumstances. I got a chance to meet some of the nicest firefighters you'd ever want to come across. They were kind enough to come to my house <laughs> and give me a ride, save me the cost. Nicest guys you ever want to meet. One of the finest police officers in the department, one of the most popular and well-respected. Well respected. There was a retirement party held for Houston Fire Department captain who lost his legs and sustained brain damage while battle, battling a fire off a, at a motel on Southwest Freeway uh, just just southwest of Hillcroft, the same one that claimed the lives of four other Houston firefighters, one of whom I cannot remember her name, but she'd only been on the department for about a month. She'd been a volunteer firefighter on the northwest side to build up enough experience to to become a firefighter. And apparently all she ever wanted to be all she ever wanted to do was be a firefighter. Saturday a retirement party was held for Captain William Dowling, Bill Dowling, also known as Iron Bill. Captain Dowling was severely injured while fighting that that fire three years ago. Saturday, friends, family, and fellow firefighters gathered to honor Iron Bill Dowling and celebrate his thirteen years of service. 
The melted and blackened helmet that Captain Dowling wore the day of the fire was on display. Dowling and others, and I'm sorry, Dowling and dozens of other firefighters rushed into the burning Southwest Inn on May 31st, 2013, thinking people were still inside and trapped. The roof collapsed and crushed Dowling's legs. He also suffered brain damage from the fire. After several surgeries and years of therapy, Dowling still struggles to speak, but was well enough to attend the celebration on Saturday. Fire Department Captain David Armstrong says, quote, he has never quit fighting. He fought from the day of the accident till now. He's a lot stronger man than I'll ever be. I'm a better person for knowing him. He is my brother. He is gold. Dowling officially left the department a year ago, but friends, family, and firefighters wanted to wait till he was well enough to attend the celebration. Dowling and his wife will be moving to Colorado, where he'll be able to take part in therapy and an adaptive sport program. Dowling's wife, Jackie, says, we're going to go out there and hunt, fish, go off-roading, and he's going to ski. We're going to live our life to the fullest. The family hopes with hard work and dedication, Iron Bill may regain some of his abilities to speak. I've been involved with two fundraisers, and I have seen the reaction of other firefighters attending, contributing, volunteering, organizing. This guy, you talk about a a popular uh, fire captain, Iron Bill Dowling, uh, a group called, oh, I can't remember the group's name, Mike McKinney. Mark McKinney is involved um, with them, but they did a concert at Discovery Green, and there were thousands of people. It was really, it was after all that happened and, you know, months later, and I remember, um Bill Dowling was kind of talking over to the side about how much pain he was in from the burn and how, you know, I've always heard, I've never been badly burned, but I've always heard it's a horrible, terrible uh, pain that will not stop, just constant. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you get a custom tailored suit, it's going to fit perfectly and make you look great. Think about that with a Noble First for your organization. No matter what the size of your company is, a Noble First will analyze your data and collaborate with you to custom tailor digital solutions so you can focus on making your organization grow. When it comes to data-centric solutions specifically for your organization, choose a Noble First. A Noble First makes living simple. See for yourself at anoblefirst.com, E-N-N-O-B-L-E first.com. And it was hot out that day. And I was hot. I mean, I was sweating. I was uncomfortable, and I was completely healthy to think how awful this had to be for this man. But what a great honor that people were there for them. And then Aaron Tippin has a group. I forget their name, but they called and asked. They offered that Aaron would do a free show, and all the money would go to charity. And I don't remember how much it was, but I remember it was a it was it was a goodly amount. And we had a big turnout. Aaron Tippin put on a great show. And that was how they raised the money for the the van. He had to have a retrofitted van because uh, it has to stay so cold 
for his body because his body gets gets so hot and over, overheated. But anyway, it, it's Houston's the fourth largest city in the country. It's probably third by now when the when the official census is taken. But sometimes it feels like a very small town when you see the community response. The way they do if a if a child has leukemia uh, in a little town, the way the churches and the restaurants and all will uh, will come out and 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 support that child. It's it's nice to see that in the fourth largest city because you'd think there should be that many times bigger response in a big city, but I think the sense of family and community and closeness can be lost in a big city. But it's nice to see when when people do show because you're showing every firefighter that you care when you do something like that. A San Diego councilman who happens to be black tries to bring attention to black on black crime, citing murders in Chicago, Memphis, and San Diego. Black Lives Matter and social war social justice warriors demand that she resign and she apologizes. The military remain, re- retains their hierarchy, their command and control through a strict sense of discipline, through a strict sense of people knowing their place, sticking to the code. They do that through a social order structure that demands we will set the agenda, we will decide what is said, and you will never break from it. At a council hearing last week, Councilman Myrtle Cole said black people are being profiled by the popo because they are the ones that are shooting. She said there's more black-on-black shootings in our nation than ever before, which is true. 340 shootings and murders in Chicago the first six months, 120 shootings and murders in Memphis the first six months, 28 homicides here in San Diego. Black-on-black crime is an issue, and that was never addressed. That's why when someone says, do you think there is racial profiling? Yeah, because blacks are shooting blacks. They're not going to stop a a white male. They're not going to stop a Hispanic male or an Asian. They're going to stop an African-American. That's why they're going to stop, because those are the ones that are shooting. Al Sharpton's National Action Network has demanded that Cole resign. She says she won't resign, but did issue an apology, saying, first and foremost, let me apologize to my community for miscommunicating my concerns surrounding violence affecting black Americans. I understand your reaction because I did not express my concerns clearly and instead related two distinct issues to one another. I want to be clear in telling you, my community, that I condemn racial profiling in all forms and all instances. I do not condone racial discrimination by the police or any institution. Do you see that, aspiring young politicians that are black? You will say what we tell you. Al Sharpton couldn't pass his GED test. He's never been gainfully employed. Jesse Jackson is a bad person and a bad father. His son currently rots in prison for taking campaign money people gave him to help get elected and buying expensive Michael Jackson gloves and other such things. And they set the agenda for someone who obviously could have thought for herself, but it won't be allowed. The Michael Berry Show. I 
knew a man Bojangles and he danced for you in worn out shoes, silver hair and ragged shirt and baggy pants. He did the old soft shoe. He jumped so high, he jumped so high, and then he lied to touchdown. I met him in a cell in New Orleans. I was. Here is the councilman Myrtle Cole who came under attack of Black Lives Matter and the social justice warriors who demanded she resign. She did not resign, but she did apologize. Make sure that we know there's more black-on-black shootings in our nation than ever before. 340 uh, shootings and and murders in Chicago uh, the first six months, 120 shootings and murders in Memphis first six months, 28 homicides here in San Diego. Black on black crime is an issue and that was never addressed. That's why when someone says, do you um, support, you know, do you think there's racial profiling? Yeah, because blacks are shooting blacks. So who did they stop? They're not gonna stop a white male. They're not gonna stop a, a Hispanic male or Asian, they're going to stop an African-American. That's who they're going to stop because those are the ones that shooting. I went to, there was a shooting in three and not and more than that in my district, Redwood uh, Street, about a year and a half ago, a black man went into a barber shop, shot the barber, shot the barber. He was a family man. I went to his uh, vigil a month or so ago in front of my district on Euclid and Market. A black man stopped uh, another black man and shot him in the car. So who do they go and look for? They're going to look for African-Americans who look like the person that was, was uh, the shooter. And so that's why, so if we can address the black-on-black crime in our community, I think we would be better off than saying, you know, well, there's racial, yeah, there is, because they're stopping blacks who shoot blacks. So let's first deal with the black-on-black crime. Somebody say, yeah, let's have a meeting about that. So we can try and try and prevent our children from getting murdered uh, and our black children from shooting other black children. That's what we need to stop. And then hopefully we will be addressing the racial profiling also. That'd be a catchy song. I shot the barber. Wouldn't it, Ramon? I shot the barber, but I didn't shoot the shoeshine boy right inside the door who always has the best, who always has the best gossip. You know, the shoeshine boy, he's always moving and getting the towels and helping out. But I didn't shoot the old man in the back that just works the shaving sink. Gets you ready for your shave. <laughs> That'd be a song, Ramon. I, listen, doesn't that, just, just keep listening. That, that sounds like a, a song. She's, I shot the barber. I shot the barber. Make sure that we know there's more black-on-black shootings in our nation than ever before. 340 uh, shootings and and murders in Chicago uh, the first six months. 120 shootings and murders in Memphis first six months. 28 homicides here in San Diego. Black on black crime is an issue and that was never addressed. That's why when someone says, do you um, support, you know, do you think there's racial profiling? Yeah, because blacks are shooting blacks. So who did they stop? They're not gonna stop a white 
male, they're not going to stop a, a Hispanic male or Asian. They're going to stop an African-American. That's who they're going to stop because those are the ones that shooting. I went to, there was a shooting in three, and, not, and more than that, in my district, Redwood uh, Street, about a year and a half ago, a black man went into a barber shop, shot the barber, shot the barber. He was a family man. I went to his uh, vigil. She needs a glass a of water. A month or so ago, in front of my... Everything she just said makes absolute sense, which is why Black Lives Matter put the heat on her. When Black Lives Matter is having that kind of effect, that's why you get stories like this. The latest white cop, black criminal-themed news story comes out of Baltimore. Where else? A woman named Corinne Gaines was involved in a four-hour armed standoff with the Popo where she tried to use a five-year-old boy as a human shield. The height of the tension came when Corinne pointed a gun at a cop and threatened to kill him. That's when the cops opened fire on Corinne. Mm-hmm. Strangely, the people on the left think Corinne was a victim, even though she had a warrant for her arrest, and she was pointing her gun at cops. I think thugs need some sort of a specialty law firm to help them cash in on the ignorance of reactionary people when news stories like this come up so they'll just know exactly where to go. Did you get shot while pointing a firearm at a police officer and saying you're going to kill them? Well, then you deserve justice and a large paycheck. Call me, Attorney Emanuel Goldstein, at the Race Bait Law Firm today, and I'll make sure you get plenty of both. Yo, so there I was, just minding my own business, robbing a convenience store with a shotgun, when all of a sudden, the cops come running in. I point the gun at the cops so I could tell them I was innocent. But they shot me before I had the chance to say anything. I knew I deserved justice. And thanks to Attorney Goldstein and the Race Bait Law Firm, I got it. It doesn't matter if you're innocent or guilty. As long as you're a black man and the officer who shot you is Caucasian, I could get you money. One time, I was selling crack rocks and pimping hoes out on the corner of 16th Street and Martin Luther King Drive when one of my girls tells me she didn't have my money. So I started beating her with the handle of my pistol when all of a sudden, I realized I'm being ambushed by like 16 cops. I pointed my gun at one of them so I could show them I wasn't playing. But they shot me before I had a chance to tell them I didn't have any bullets. Racist pig cops. Fortunately for me, I called my lawyers at the Race Bay Law Firm, and they got me off scot-free. I even got money from the police department for my gunshot wound. Don't worry if you were caught red-handed committing a violent crime. Here at the Race Bay Law Firm, our attorneys work side-by-side with local progressive activists to make sure the media in your area spins the anti-cop narrative before anyone has a chance to hear the real facts. I called the Race Bay Law Firm and got cash money for my police shooting incident. Thanks, Race Bay. After my altercation, with the police, I hired Race Bay Law Firm. Now I'm a wealthy man, and all I had to do was get shot by the cops. So call me today, because here at Race Bay Law Firm, we have a saying. If the cop is white, they can't indict. And if the suspect is black, you'll get money back. Warning, results are not guaranteed. The Race Bay Law Firm does not recommend you point your gun at a cop, because that would be really stupid. But just in case you do, fortunately, the general public is too dumb to review the facts before deciding to react. Quite the story, huh, Ramon? It was just undocumented reparations that Racist America owes him. Black Lives Matter leader in Louisville is arrested for driving a stolen vehicle. 
And is that you can put music in my ear? Oh, it's still going. Oh, there we go. An officer says Jason Gardner was driving erratically. Gardner's a longtime activist and one of the leaders of BLM in Louisville. He also sits on the board of the Fairness Campaign, which doesn't want fairness, by the way. When Gardner parked and got out, officers recognized him because he was wanted on a felony warrant in Indiana. While verifying the warrant, the Popo learned the vehicle Gardner was driving had been confirmed as stolen. He was arrested and charged with receiving stolen property. He is also being held on fer- on a felony. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We warrant for charges of forgery, theft, and receiving stolen property. Wow. <laughs> no wonder he doesn't like the popo. He got the warrants. People with the warrants tend not to like the popo because the popo are the people who take them from being able to gangbang on the streets and send them back to prison. You see this story, Ramon, this daredevil who jumped from a plane at 25,000 feet? I know. I've been away for a few days. Jumped from a plane at 25,000 feet without a parachute onto a 100 by 100 foot Net. Luke Akins landed on the two-tiered net at terminal velocity. I'm not going to stop for the break. Watch me. At 120 miles per hour. Akins, a self-described member of the Red Bull Air Force, professional skydiver, base jumper, stuntman, pilot, and aviation expert, He was born in the summer of his 27th year Coming home to a place he'd never been before He left yesterday behind him You might say he was born again You might say he found the key for every door When he first came to the mountains His life was far away on the road hanging by a song But the strings already broke Ramon, not to brag, but I've been to the very spot where John Denver wrote this song. It's not marked or anything. I just did the research and uh, my wife could... Eagle, I think it's Eagle Mountain. I think that's right. Well, I, it's not true that I did, I did research. My wife did the research. And found all, all the details 
and that was it. And then, as luck would have it, a day later, we went uh, fly fishing. My first time to ever go fly fishing. And our guide, we get to talking about different things in music. And I said, yesterday we hiked the, uh, we I think it was Eagle Mountain. Uh, we hiked Eagle Mountain to the spot where John Denver was apparently camped when he wrote this song. And he said, I can one-up that. I was his drummer for three years. I said, wow, what was he like? He said, nothing like the songs would lead you to believe. He said, I love the guy, nothing against him. He wasn't the nicest guy. He said, I can't say that the image he he portrayed was was him. He wasn't, you know, so friendly and pure and pristine. He said, I was in a pretty heavy drug phase of my life. And I developed it all alongside him. He said, you name it. Because you figure, all right, maybe a little pot, right? He said, no. If he could get hold of a drug, he would do the drug. In fact, he he was one of the crowd who believed that John Denver committed suicide. He didn't accidentally get in a wreck. And he had all these stories to back it up, which I've now forgotten. But uh, I just thought that was kind of an interesting story. And he told, uh, you know, you think of... Uh, George Jones passing out in the middle of a show and having to be hauled off. He said that for whatever reason it never got out. He said, but there were nights uh, that we would that we would do that and we'd have to haul him out of there. Wouldn't have guessed it, huh? Wouldn't have guessed it. You ever been fly fishing, Ramon? I can't get excited over fly fishing. I just I cannot get excited um, over fly fishing. It's just it's one of those things it's like golf. Just well, I don't. I don't want to work that hard at anything, especially if I'm recreating. If I'm recreating, I don't want to stress my mind out. I want to I want to be mindless, not thinking about anything. Chaos, why have you called me? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm I, good. I just want to yeah, I'm trying to school you to the game. I'm trying to I'm trying to explain things to you cuz every day it seems like you don't understand. You don't understand what's going on. So I'm trying to let you know. Yeah, there's a lot of killing in the black neighborhoods. You know why that happens? It's just let's say let's say the black community is Kmart, and let's say the white community is Walmart. All right. Every time you go into Walmart to try to steal something, you know more than likely you might get caught or something. In Kmart. People steal all day, every day. Don't nobody do nothing. Nobody cares. The cops don't come. Security don't come. That's why there's a lot of black-on-black crime. If a police officer get killed, they're going to get a conviction. They're going to find somebody to match with that body. You know what I mean? My brothers and sisters get killed. You know, they do a little so-called investigation, and they don't care. So basically, you could get away with that. That's why there's a lot of killing in the hood like that. And then a lot of times, like my homeboy, like I said, one of my homeboys, you know, they shot his mama, his mama house up. We don't want to go out here killing people and doing this and doing that. Who shot his mama's house up? Yeah, they shot. They shot. Who who shot his mama's house up? I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, they know. I don't know. I don't know though. You know what I mean? Like I said, you you know, this ain't nothing. Like, when I be saying stuff, this is real stuff. This ain't nothing to be broadcast over the radio. 
You see what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. is like this, no, this stuff don't. really happened. I don't be making this stuff up. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Chaos, so I, I know saying, you're not making it up, and that's the whole point. You don't have to plead for people to pay attention to what's happening in mostly black neighborhoods where black people are shooting other black people. We all know what's happening, including the cops. Blacks have not figured out exactly what they want out of law enforcement and their fellow citizens. One minute is, you're not paying attention to us. We're killing each other. Then if anyone pays attention, it is, why are y'all coming down so hard on us? You know, I, I got to tell you, Cass, it's it's um, it, it's like a collective insanity. I, I, I've, I've spent more time than I probably should trying not not just to not just responding viscerally instinctively to to what happens and then the reaction of people like you i have tried to understand what would cause you to react so irrationally and one of the things i find that eventually if you talk to a black person who excuses all the kind of person who thinks this is just how it is man we in the hood the battle is real man we having a war man y'all don't even know like i step out my house man i get shot man i get shot right on the spot you don't even know and you just drive by you ain't got this in your neighborhood yeah because my neighbors don't shoot each other we don't do that we don't watch irrational actions and try to justify them. Our mamas don't go down when their sons shoot up a neighborhood and try to tell us how wonderful he is, how he just really didn't have a chance. It is, it has become cultural. It is not um, an accident. It has become a culture. Not all blacks, because any black that can get out does. And what's left, it's like white flight from a high crime neighborhood. The worse it gets, the more that people that don't engage in that leave. The more they leave, the worse it gets. You watch it happen in school districts. You watch it in in neighborhoods. You watch it with crime. I mean, these types of behavior have become a cultural hallmark. And other people see this happening, and you can't expect that they're not able to deduce rationally that this is a problem. You've got to fix the entire culture, and you're part of it. You're, You're not capable of fixing it. The Michael Berry Show. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. Tony Bennett is 90 years old today. Explode your heads, be exploding. I'll state my case. (laughs) Which I'm certain this is on my funeral list, but it, I want the Elvis version. Don't screw that up, Ramon. That's, that's not right. I won't even be able to do I anything about it. Each and every highway <laughs> and more, much more than this. I did it. Vanilla Ice flipped out at the airport because they boarded his plane without him. Sitting right here. No one has called me. No one said uh, final call. Nothing. Right there. You didn't board me. Sitting in the freaking line right here. I'm thinking all these people are in line to board. I'm behind them right here. They didn't even say anything. You gotta watch the monitor, dude. Hey, I don't need any information from you, man. Shut the 
Shut your mouth. I don't need anything from you. You don't work here. Shut up. Okay. Sounds like old boy has anger management issues, doesn't it? Listen, listen, Robert Matthew Van Winkle. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what probably happened? He's sitting there thinking he's all cool. <laughs> he's sitting there thinking he's all cool. Yeah, I'm Vanilla Ice. I'm the dude you've seen on the reality TV show. <laughs> that stupid dude whose name is itself a joke. Yeah, that's me. Uh, Mr. Van Winkle? Oh, I can't answer to that. I mean, I don't, I don't sound nearly as tough. With Mr. <laughs> um, can we get the guy who ripped off Queen with, with, with his song? Who spent most of his life being a has-been? If you spend more of your life being a has-been than you... Then you spend being an is. Something's wrong, Ramon. Something. What did we do before reality TV and all the things that are now? What would guy? I guess he would go on. Uh, what's that show that's a tic-tac-toe box? Hollywood Squares. Vanilla Ice would have gone on Hollywood Squares with that gay guy with the fake tan. What was his name? The one that had all the attitude. He was on every one of them. Talk about uh, Trump can't get a break. I mean, uh, of all the things he does, you're also up against the media. And sure, he makes it very easy on them. I have the biggest bank in the world as a tenant of mine in New York. The biggest in the world, a Chinese bank. Don't worry about that, baby. I love babies, though. So. I love babies. I hear that baby crying. I like it. I like it. What a baby. What a beautiful baby. Don't worry. Don't worry. The mom's running around like, don't worry about it, you know. It's young and beautiful and healthy, and that's what we want. Okay. But, but look, look. China, when they devalue, when China devalues its currency, they take our guts out. And they do it so often. They do it so often. Ripped us absolutely to shreds. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. That's all right. Don't worry. I, I think she really believed me that I love having a baby crying while I'm speaking. That's okay. People don't understand. You know, it's unfortunate, but this is where a tried and true politician wouldn't make that mistake. There will be a lot of mommies raising little babies, and everywhere they go, they're self-conscious of their baby. Because honestly, none of us like that. You're not on a plane and a woman plops down beside you with her baby. And with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You think, oh, good. I was hoping for the entire flight to have a baby screaming because it's not a pleasant sound. Everybody just wants to help that baby stop screaming. Nobody likes that. If you've had a child, you've been around them when they're screaming, you feel for her, but you're not excited about it. It's it's unpleasant. You might be empathetic. 
when you when you toss the lady out because you're you know you put yourself in his shoes you're focused on your speech you want this speech to be good you want to deliver you want to give them the full experience they're here for you and you want to rock their world and all of a sudden somebody flips a switch and turns the microphone off it's aggravating throws you off your game but that's where you are so tested it is so reflexive there are certain things as a candidate you do not do and you do not allow yourself to ever make this mistake you never criticize a baby ever if you have to if you have to chalk this one up to first do no harm in every speech you give first don't offend parts of your base if you're not helping your cause that's not a smart move michael hillary's gonna win no no hillary is gonna win if you make mistakes like that that doesn't win you any votes it costs you votes and you know the sesame street thing with mitt romney or the dog being carried on the top of the vehicle or not being friendly to his trash man which we don't even know if it was true those are the sorts of things that not smart people will vote on. If you ask people why they voted for someone, it's, it's for a lot of people, and everybody in this country gets a vote. You know the guy that has nine kids and doesn't support any of them? But if you ask him how he's doing in prison, man, I'm ready to get out, go spend time with my kids. I, you know, I love my kids. I love my kids. I ain't always there for them, but I love them. I love my kids. And you, you'll think, talking to that guy, that he cares more about his kids. And that's the only reason he wants to fix his life. He ain't never going to go see those kids when he gets out. That guy gets a vote. People that can't spell their name get a vote. People that have never been outside the home, all they do is sit home and watch daytime TV, get a vote. And so you have to be careful because... They can't vote on your trade policy. Good grief. How would they? They can't vote based on your tax policies. They can't vote based on your foreign policies because they don't understand those things. But you know what they can understand? You were mean to a baby. You were, And I'm a mother. And I've carried my little papoose all around. And I've seen how people look at me. Well, look, that's a baby. And I'm raising that baby. That type of person is going to cast their vote, and here you've got all these advisors, you've got all these great positions, and that voter's not going to vote on a wall. They're not going to vote on America first. When James Carville said in 1992, it's the economy, stupid, they didn't lay out great economic policies on the Clinton campaign. They felt your pain. You were hurting, so they were hurting. They felt your pain, and they said it as disgustingly as they were pandering, they were connecting. It's your back pocket. Vote your back pocket. That way people could take all their failures, all their bad luck, anything that wasn't going their way, and that would be a reason to vote for Clinton. How? Who cares? People identified with that. You don't insult POWs or Gold Star families or babies. It's just, it's just smart politics, smart campaigning. Thank <laughs> you. 
It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. To those who are concerned about the debates and them being matched up against um, football games, the debate schedule was announced on September 23, 2015. The NFL schedule was announced seven months later in April of 16. The Trump campaign is claiming that the debate schedule was rigged by Democrats who want to hide Hillary. Schedule's been set for nearly a year now. September 23rd of last year, the commission announced the 2016 debate schedule, setting the three presidential debates for September 26th, October 9th, and October 19th, and the vice presidential debate for October 4th. The commission announced its schedule nearly seven months before the NFL announced its 2016 regular season schedule, April of 2016. This weekend, the commission said they will not reschedule the debates, noting it is possible to avoid all sporting events and there have, I'm sorry, it is impossible to avoid all sporting events and there have been nights on which debates and games occurred in most election cycles. A debate's never been rescheduled as a result. As a point of reference, in a four-year period, there are four general election debates, three presidential, one vice presidential, and approximately 1,000 NFL games. The commission added that it selects the debate dates a year in advance in order for the television networks to have maximum lead time and predictability in scheduling these extremely important civic education forums. The CPD believes the debates believes the dates for the 2016 debates will serve the American public well. You can say, well, then, if it was done a year in advance, there's no problem. This cuts both ways. You can choose to believe whatever you want, which is why some people watch MSNBC and some people watch Fox. We want to hear the news that just reinforces what we already believe. If you're in the Hillary camp, you say, shut up, Trump. You just try to say that everything is rigged even when you win it. If you're in the Trump campaign, you say, this is announced so early that there's not a Republican nominee to complain. And while the football schedule wasn't made yet, you know there's going to be a game on Monday night, Thursday night, and Sunday. You know that. And if it's playoffs, the early rounds of playoffs, you're going to have a Saturday and a Sunday. Ramon, I really don't understand. I'm so excited about football season, I can't see straight. I really don't understand why they can't work out a schedule where we can watch football seven days a week. It's so aggravating. Now, the players' union is the one that doesn't want this, by the way. And the reason is because you're you're going to create situations where you play on less than six days of game rest. You may be in practice 
but you're not getting beat up as badly. So you, I guess you can have a longer career. I, got, I have every package there is, and every American should. But you still can't watch every game. It should be the case that if you want to watch every game, you would be able to. And not by some constitutional right. I mean because they'd make more money. Why are you going to have such an incredibly entertaining and exciting sport? It's the best sport on TV. It's the most TV-worthy sport. Now, a baseball game is a fun event to go to. But in quality of, of experience, watching the boob tube, it's the football field. Why are you going to have it such that we can't watch every single game? That just doesn't make any sense. Now, with baseball, you don't have to do that because you've got 162 games in the season. But the fact that we're having to miss games because we're watching another it just it doesn't make any sense. When is JJ back? Do you know? He's back by game one? Well, that's what they hope. Of course, that's what they want you to buy tickets. Huh. Yeah. What other JJ is there? Good Time's been off there for a long time. What do you mean, other than that's like saying, anybody seen Nolan lately? Who? Who is? Uh, caller, I'm sorry. I, I clicked the button before your name was put up there. Is it Danny? I think it might have been Danny. Yeah. In Stafford. Go ahead, my man. How you doing, Mike? Good. Mike, uh, I listen to your show every day. But as a black man, can you do us a favor and quit putting chaos on the radio? He's an <laughs> idiot. And you have a lot of black people that – you have a lot of listeners who, who live out in the country and stuff, and they don't deal with black people. They don't see black people. The only black people they ever know about are the bad ones that shoot people on the news and then chaos. And he's an idiot. And he gets on there and he's like, you know what I'm talking about, man? Oh, see, if you go to Kmart and Sutton, you know, he doesn't even speak the English language properly. He but just likes to throw in a glottal stop every so often. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're making my life harder. Because then when those people see me who don't deal with black people, they hear chaos when they see me. And that makes my life difficult. Stop doing that to us. We're not all like that. Danny, what do I you mean, do for a living? I do HVAC work. I'm a train comfort specialist. Oh, look at you throwing the codes out. Okay, then you know what I'm going to try to do in an effort to create balance? What's that? If you will rise to the occasion, uh-huh. we're going to create a new character on the show, and okay. that's you. We're going to call him Reasonable Black Guy. Okay, that'll work. So when we have an occasion like that that, re- that requires a Reasonable Black Guy to kind of counterbalance, okay. then we'll call you. Hold on, let me write your number down because it's on my screen. All right. Well, help fill in because we know all the chaos is story. Help fill in the gaps on us, Danny. For you, fill in, fill in the gaps on on what on, on what I what I. Now, how did, how did you arrive on my telephone right now? Like, where, where what got you here in life? Uh, I don't know. I just I, I like politics a lot. Um, of course, I'm a black kid, so I grew up around a lot of Democrats. Hmm. But I've always thought to myself, for the record, so did I, and I'm really not a black kid. <laughs> but in order to kind of have. Uh, good perspectives in life i think you got to hear the other side of the story right so i i'm i consider myself like a real independent you know so why how did you become an independent how did you break from from the cultural norm um i I guess just thinking for myself you know you don't i i I don't want to take someone else's word and say oh that's the gospel you know but there had to be a moment where you decided everything i've been told may not necessarily be correct there had to be a moment where you were thinking differently than other people. Was there, did, did something occur 
that I've heard people say they got arrested and this happened, or they got married and this happened, or they got their first job and this happened, and it just sort of a light went off and they realized, they began questioning everything they believed to have been true before that. Um, I tell you what, I didn't get arrested, but something that happened to me was when I was younger, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old. Some of the guys that I hung around with, we get pulled over by the police and stuff like that, you know. Well, when I stopped hanging around them, I stopped getting pulled over by the police, and I realized like. Man, maybe it has a lot to do with who you're around and what you're doing. You know what I mean? So I think at that time I kind of figured, okay, maybe there is a lot of stereotyping going on. Maybe there are some racist people in the world. But at the same time, a lot of it can be avoided just by the actions of yourself, the things that you do, the choices that you make on a day-to-day basis. Well said, sir. Hold on. We'll continue our conversation with Reasonable Black Guy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Captain Sum Ting Wong. Well, something must be right. You're listening to Michael Berry. If you Something to play with Go and find yourself a toy Baby, my time is too expensive And I'm not a little boy So I got my first ambulance ride this week. No, it wasn't a ride along. I uh, my my close friends know what happened, but I had um, I had a mini stroke uh, early Monday morning, and I will tell you something. I'm a pretty cocky fellow, and when you can't move aside of your body and you can't talk because it feels like your cheek is hanging down to your chest bone and you can't do anything to fix it and you can't stand up and your world is swirling and you know what you're going through because you've seen those little fast. uh, They do a radio ad on here, you know, know the signs of stroke and you know exactly what's happening. And your wife is looking at you like you're dying in front of her and you're sweating on half your body. It is at 45, you know, you don't that you thinking to yourself this is not how it's supposed to end. So call 911 we go out uh cuz my house has a a 
a wall out front because I don't want people looking at me. And we go out. When you're having to, Ramon, I tell you, you talk about a humbling experience. When you cannot stand up on your own and the strongest person in your house is your 10-year-old son. Now, granted, he looks 14. And you're laying on him so he can get you outside the wall to the officers, I mean, to the firefighters. And the firefighters look at you like, oh, man, this is one of those. You don't see this very often. This is this is not good. He's too young for this. And as you're walking to the fire department, to, to the so it's the fire truck arrived first. Uh, HPD's policy and most departments' policy is the first asset available because it's the people that are helping you, not the vehicle. So if you got a fire truck a minute away and an ambulance ten minutes away, the fire truck's going to get there first. So. Uh, when your ten-year-old son, you realize how young he is. You're laying on him, so he seems much older, and he's kind of dragging you out. And then he says, "Ababa, you're going to get to ride in the fire truck." <laughs> you're trying to keep a brave face because you know that your child is watching this, and at this point, you don't know you're going to make it or not. And you're thinking to yourself, "When he's forty, he's going to remember the last time he saw his dad." So you're trying to be, you know, tougher than you're actually feeling at that moment when you're when you are frightened out of your mind, that's one of those moments you don't want to have to go through uh, very often. And poor Crockett, my wife, I don't remember anything, but my wife said that he couldn't bear to watch, so he turned against the window and kind of walked to the window and just looked out as if nothing was happening because he didn't want to have to watch, you know, he didn't want to have to watch, watch his dad going through all this. But I will say this, um, Methodist Hospital has – you talk about cultures, and we'll go back to reasonable black guy. You talk about um, cultures. There's a book called Good to Great. It's written by Jim Collins. And um, my pastor, Ed Young, when I was elected to city council, my wife suggested I call him because about two minutes in, I had made so many friends – and I had developed so many supporters, and I had gone into neighborhoods and understood their problems, and I'd spent time on the budget and on public works. And, but mostly I'd developed a lot of people who helped me and advised me and, and worked with me. And now all of a sudden, many – I mean, people, they elected you on the basis that they wanted a stop sign at the corner of that drive and seemed to be reasonable. They're ready for their stop sign. And I was overwhelmed with uh, requests, you know, hey – uh, can I meet with you? Can we bring these people to meet with you? Can we? We've got this idea. We've got, and I couldn't keep up, and it was frustrating me, and it was fatiguing me. And so my wife said, "Well, call Ed Young. He's got thirty-five thousand members. If if he can manage thirty-five thousand people who tithe more than ten percent and who've helped build that church and help support that church, he can help you manage your time." So I did, and he told me. Uh, there's a book I want you to read, and it's called Good to Great, and it's about putting everybody on, putting the right people on the bus and putting them in the right seat on the bus, the right people in the right seat on the bus. And that was the analogy he used. But he, 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 um, he ranked great companies. His, he had his Ph.D. students as part of a project rank great companies, and they were measured by stock price and, and all these different things. But his uh, standard for what makes a great company is that the culture of the company survives a full generation after the great leader. In other words, if you're really good at what you do, 
that company should still be great long after you're gone because you created a culture. Um, and and I've, I've said this about Eddie Martini, the guy that got me into radio, who's our boss, that he's he's the traditional charismatic uh, uh, leader that everybody – everyone feels like they're his friend, but they also respect him as the leader. Uh, they they respect his vision. They respect his decisions, and they truly believe he cares about them. And I, I've never seen anyone on a leadership model that is as good as he is. There are better speakers to to the group. He's a good speaker, but I wouldn't call him a great leader. I mean a great speaker. Um, he's good at a lot of things, but what he's particularly good at is everybody believes they are working directly for him and that we're sharing in this path, this journey together. And you don't want to let him down. And, I, and it's, it's rare to have this many people and still have that vision. I say all that to say this. Methodist Hospital, as big as it is, has a culture. And it's all the way down to the transporter, the person that puts you on the bed and, and runs you to all your tests to the person who's cleaning the room every night, to the person who's taking your blood, to the night shift. They all genuinely care, and they do much more than their actual job. And I have to say, you know, I I study people and organizations, and it's one thing to be a great individual, Michael Phelps, for instance, the best at what you do. It's another thing to be able to instill your values into other people. Now, they may start with... Russell Labar is always talking about, you know, he knows the name of every busboy at all 12, 12, 13 restaurants now. He knows every one of them. He knows their story. Were they raised by a single mom? Did they serve in the Marines, which they hire a lot of Marines? Um, where'd they go to high school? What matters to them? How long have they been with them? And you can see a culture. You can see the way people behave that it's not that he's got 1,100 people each making their own decisions. It's not like at this radio station, everybody's going. Everybody is pulling in the same direction. And to see that in a hospital, especially because if people aren't nice to you at a restaurant, you still got the food. But at a hospital, you've got the the basics of, uh, you know, the equipment and what the equipment does, which is important. You've got the medicines that are being injected into you and, and those sorts of things. But mostly it is people from the moment, from how they knock on the door when they come in to see you to how they address you, to how they explain things to you, to when they leave, do you trust that they're going to go do what they're supposed to do? they got to order another test so that you can finally leave. They have to get the doctor to review the test and tell you exactly what has happened. They have to, you know, you hear the word stroke. I guess I didn't quite understand what was happening because I was out of it, but when they once they got me out of the emergency room and they've done all that and they go all right you're going to live and they start wheeling me to the room uh my wife said um I want my boys to be able to come up today because they're scared and they want to see their dad how do I explain um to our friend who's going to bring them up here where we are and she said oh sixth floor of the stroke unit and I'm being I'm up in the front like I I'm on the stroke unit and then you look in the in the rooms and people look like they had a stroke. I don't look like that, do I? I mean you don't look strong when you're when you're sitting in a in one of those gurneys or, or beds or whatever you call it. But then you see who you're around, you hear that word. Oof. It seems to me 
the facts demand we change some things in our great land to keep our people safe from death or harm. There are good folks dying every day in senseless and peculiar ways, so I'll make my point with good old Southern charm. Now every year I hear reports of death by toaster and a fork that's a high price to pay for a Pop-Tart. We've got to ban these things today, there's no more time left to delay. It ain't much, but at least it's a start. Ban the french fries and the soft drinks, potato chips and hot links. We must protect our daughters and our sons. Ban the violence in football, and if you know what's good, y'all, most of all, we've got to ban those guns. Death by fire and electrocution seems to me the solution to ban the use of matches and electricity. Don't we just love to ban things? That's the royal we, the editorial we of kings, editors, and fools. You and I don't love to ban anything. We believe in freedom of choice and letting people make their own decisions. And if you get your feelings hurt, then turn it off or walk away. Well, there's a new movie that takes up that issue. The Death of Humor. The Death of Humor. It's called Can We Take a Joke? And the filmmaker, Ted Balaker, is with us. It features Adam Carolla, Penn Gillette, Jim Norton, Lisa Lampanelli, and more. Ted, for, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. I'm sure you know this, but today marks 50 years since the passing of comedian and free speech legend Lenny Bruce. Arrested six times in four cities for obscenity, they called it, over his jokes. We would tell jokes of this nature to a sixth grader today. Police would go undercover to watch his stand-up and arrest him for his words. Imagine that. Here is a trailer for the new movie, Can We Take a Joke? It's the duty of a comedian to find out where the line is drawn and deliberately cross over. Donald always says money can't buy happiness, but it can buy the best Eastern European whores New York City has to offer. If you're easily offended, please don't come to a comedy show. When they start going for the comedians, everyone else needs to sweat. This play was specifically designed to offend everyone. And then the I'm offended changed into you're going to die. They were calling me Black Hitler because the Jews weren't safe. The blacks weren't safe. Lenny Bruce, he was arrested for what he said. I can't imagine that. But mother is that cool. Doing your show with cops on the side of the stage? Beat that, anybody ever. Free speech is extremely important uh, because me being a Jew, I don't want to have to pay for speech. Winston Churchill famously said, you have enemies? Good. That means you stood up for something sometime in your life. Ted, why make this movie? I love that quotation. Uh, well, I, I made the movie because I love uh, comedy and I love uh, free speech. And I, um, you know, years ago, I was at the Comedy Cellar in New York City uh, with my brother, who's a stand-up comic. Um, and someone hollered out of the audience, I'm offended at one of the comics. And the comic shouted back and basically made fun of the guy and said, you know, who goes to a comedy club looking to be offended? 
And fast forward to today and stuff like that happens all the time and, and more severe. They're, they're calling for comedians to lose their gigs, to get fired, to be banned from comedy clubs just for telling jokes. So it's a it's a weird time for uh, for free speech and comedy. People don't always understand why they do what they do. You have to stand back from it and judge them. Why do you think uh, there's been such an outbreak, such a growth in this idea that if I don't like a comedian, instead of walking away or turning off the dial, I'm going to fight to silence it? That's a really good question. I, I don't have a maybe perfect answer, but I think some of it has to do with um, you know, you have the helicopter parenting where you, you have to protect little Johnny from ever skinning his knee. Uh, and then when the kids go to, to college, they're, they're, you know, they get safe spaces and trigger warnings. And unfortunately, they're coddled quite a bit. And so then uh, pe- they come out into the you know real world and um, they see things that they don't like and they're not really equipped to deal with opinions that are different from the ones they have or jokes that they don't maybe completely understand. And so you you see a lot of these meltdowns, <laughs> eruptions of outrage where people just simply cannot stand something that rubs them the wrong way. Ted, I ruined your last name the last, the last time you were on. Can you – is it Balaker? Oh, no sweat. It's Balaker, yeah. Balaker. It's okay, little, I did. All a little right. unusual. <laughs> well, I had it written down last time just to keep from screwing it up, and I still <laughs> well, I'm, I'm offended, Michael. I am offended. <laughs> well, you strike me as a type that is often offended. Reasons right. <laughs> Zach Weismuller writes, quote, This notion of pushing back against vindictive protectiveness is perhaps what excites me most about this movie. While there are concrete policies, such as fires, advocacy for the abolition of all speech codes on campus, that can help nudge American culture back towards a greater appreciation for free speech. This is the line I like. The documentary is a call for self-reflection. What do you mean by that? Yeah, uh, well, if you say you're offended, that's not an argument. All you're doing is explaining your emotional state. And so what we're we're suggesting people do is, you know, examine why you're offended. Um, You know, maybe the other person has a point uh, or, or maybe they're wrong. Either way, if if you examine yourself and don't just get in a knee-jerk situation where you want to censor the person or ban the person, you know, you win. Either way, if if you were right all along, then you win. If if you if the other guy was right or partially right, then then you win as well because you can incorporate that point of view into your thinking. So if if you're really an open-minded person, um you you know, you shouldn't have a meltdown every time you get offended. If you're stable, you're right. I got 40 seconds left in this segment. Uh, details on when and where we can see the movie Can We Take a Joke? Uh, well, you can see it just about everywhere on demand right now. Uh, iTunes is a great way to see it. We're number five on iTunes already. Uh, it's in almost all cable and satellite providers, so you can watch it on demand there. Um, you can also get it on Amazon, Google Play, and other digital platforms. But again, iTunes is probably it's the go-to place for most people. How long has it been out? Uh, one day. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. so I've been hearing about it for a while uh, from the yeah. Corolla folks. So, okay. I thought it had been it, it had been out a bit longer. That's a pretty well, fast was, rise. Yeah, it was a fa- uh, it had a it's still in in theaters in some cities, uh, but that ends uh, on the 4th, which is tomorrow. All right. One moment. Ted Balaker is our guest. The movie is Can We Take a Joke? It has Penn Gillette in it, Jim Norton, Lisa Lampanelli, and of course, Adam Corolla. Michael Berry Show. Michael Berry. 
The film is called Can We Take a Joke? Very prescient question uh, these days. The filmmaker is Ted Balaker. Ted, tell me the history of of how this the, – the, the genesis of how a film like this gets made because it had to be a lot of effort to get people interested, to get financing, and then to get going on it. And it's not your typical – it's not a cheap, easy sex and romance or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure thing, Michael. Um, it definitely was a story behind the story. Um, so my wife and I have our own production company, Cortula Productions, and we do um, – work with a really great organization called FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. They fight for free speech on college campuses for students and professors, and they really do a great job of beating back a lot of the PC nonsense that you see on on campus. Um, So we were working on a a short for them um, about comedy and uh, and free speech. And the, the troubling thing is that college students are really bearing the brunt of all of this. I mean, imagine being a college comedian these days. And so it started off as a short, and then we got Adam Carolla on it. And then uh, we're like, you know what, this is a bigger story than just a short. And we pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually found funding to to turn it into a feature. And then after we got the funding, it was, as you mentioned, um, pretty challenging to get all these named comedians to sit down for an interview. Um, but we we figured out a way to do it, and we're really, really excited with how it turned out. Who wrote the script? Uh, I did, as well as uh, my uh, partner in crime, Zach Weissmuller. And he's from Reason Foundation? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that magazine, by the way. It's one, <laughs> oh, it's it, great. Yeah, it's I, I, worked, uh, I worked over there for eight years. It's, you worked with Stossel, right? I worked with Stossel at ABC News, and then I, I worked with Drew Carey when we did the Drew Carey Project at uh, Reason TV, and that was all about um, online documentaries, uh, you know, hosted by him, looking at all sorts of different crazy issues. The movie is called "Can We Take a Joke?" You can get it off iTunes now. Ted Balaker is the um, is the filmmaker. What is that moment in the film that we're going to say ah? I got the point because it's hard when when you when you make a film for the per, a documentary like this for the purpose of of uh, of a message you know a, a message driven film not to beat people over the head but you also don't want to miss your opportunity to make your point. Yeah, I mean we're really lucky to have so many great comics who are not just really funny but are really smart. And there's one point where like Jim Norton says, you know, everybody says they love free speech, they love free free expression. But deep down, they're all saying, except for when, except for when, except for when. Um, So everybody wants to kind of have it both ways and say, oh, you know, of course I'm supportive of free speech, you know, but just leave my sacred cows alone. And, you know, we all have our sacred cows. We all have the the things that we're sensitive about. But if you just listed all of those things and crossed them off the list of, of things that are acceptable for comedians to joke about, then what would we be left with? Not much. What would and, we be know, left with? Why Why do we need jokes? <laughs> what, what is the, no, I'm serious. It's a great question. I think it's a, it's actually a very important question. Uh, it's not just about uh, laughing and having a good time, but if it was only about that, I think it would be really important. I think, um, you know, comedy is important for a lot of reasons. It, it, um, it helps us broach sensitive topics. Uh, if we're not really, uh, you know, comfortable talking about something directly, 
um, you can make a joke about it, and then it's kind of an icebreaker. It also, you know, it brings people together. You you look around at a comedy club, you see people from all backgrounds um, uh, and all you know all types, and they're all laughing at each other and with each other. Um, and it, it's almost like a you know a, a summer thunderstorm. <laughs> There's like a little chaos, then everybody chills out a little bit, and and you can it, it helps comedy helps you get over yourself and see uh, what we have in common with other people. There's a uh, an author, an English intellectual named I think it's Peter Johnson. I can't remember uh, right now. It's give me just a moment to think on this. He wrote Intellectuals. He wrote. Um, oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Peter Johnson? I, I, anyway, he, he's a, he's actually technically a historian, but he writes mm-hmm. uh, conservative slash libertarian uh, books, and he wrote a book. Um, on comedians, and he went through um, different comedians and why they're they're com- uh, Charlie Chaplin among them, and the importance he attempted to quantify that, which is difficult to quantify, which is what happens, with, what does humor do for us? And he he went through the physiological changes, and he went through the importance in bonding and all sorts of things. And it, it, his argument was. It isn't just something we do accidentally because we're bored. It's it's a way we deal with the elephant in the room. It's the way we deal with our fears. That's why we have so many jokes about uh, poor sexual performance or about death <laughs> because those are those are deep fears, right? And uh, oh, yeah. and I do think that's important. And when we allow that to die, there's a certain healing. There's a certain cathartic effect of us laughing. And and that's why I'm glad you brought this up. A, a, a country, a, a community, a people that cannot laugh are people that cannot bond, overcome fears. They don't have an outlet. Um, so I, I think this is important. Yeah, that's very well said, and I, I totally agree. I, I think a lot of um, – there are a lot of folks out there, especially on Twitter, who, who think that they know best for everybody and that certain topics, sensitive topics, should be off bounds. But I've been talking with people, especially after, you know, in the wake of this film, who deal with – you know, one woman said she was – uh, molested and um and she would have feared jokes about that but louis ck has this joke about that topic and she's like you know what i listened to it and i laughed mm-hmm. and it helped in talking with her you can get the sense that it helped her kind of take control over it again and, and so these very very dark topics for some people actually for a lot of people it helps um, if you can laugh at it, because yes. um, you're then you're in control again. We do something here on the show called Laugh at a Libtard Wednesday, which is today. <laughs> and and the idea was, I was getting so frustrated with friends of mine who know better, who would get angry with something Barack Obama had done, or Hillary Clinton had done, or Sheila Jackson Lee, or Pelosi, or you fill in the blank. And I would tell people, you're letting that control you. That which angers you controls you. And that once you can laugh at something, then you have controlled it. It, it has no power over you anymore. And, and that's the idea. We laugh at things that scare us to control them as an outlet. And it's very healthy. So I'm glad you've done the film. Well, thanks so much, Michael. And I know you can take a joke, and I appreciate your 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 angle on these things. We we need more, you know, more like that. Yes, indeed. Well, I hope everyone will uh, go get it from iTunes. It is called "Can We Take a Joke." Adam Carolla, Penn Jillette, Jim Norton, Lisa Lampanelli, 
and a lot more. Good work, Mr. Balaker. Go back to it. We're ready for the next one. <laughs> Thanks so much, Michael. You take right. care now. Ted used to be uh, John Stossel's producer for almost 10 years. So I think he's probably more libertarian than conservative, and God bless him for it. This is cool. We should support projects like this. We should support people that are making films about things we consider to be important. So if you are part of poop, which is people offended by offended people, or you're just tired of everybody being bothered about everything, support a project that spreads the good word that we need to stop that nonsense. It's called Can We Take a Joke? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.